Hey Zookeepers, welcome to the second episode of March Mecha Madness. We are talking Evangelion 2.0, the second of the Evangelion Rebuild movies, and we had on Keith Paisel of LA Comedy, and this is Keith Paisel's podcast, fun name for a podcast if you ask me. And uh, yeah, we're going to get deep into it, we're going to close out March with some more Evangelion and some big old Mecha, and you know what, I think you're going to have a great time. As always, if you like the podcast, tweet at us at Podzuki uh, on Twitter, it's just at Podzuki, which is pretty sweet. And email us at podzukipodcast at gmail.com. Whatever you tweet or email us, we'll read on air. And as always, uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot. Or follow us on Spotify. Also great. And hey, hope you had a good Mecha Madness. Render unto Ghidra what is Ghidra's. Ten to one he sees you through a beaker and a tweezers. Read the fine print and be like, what's the big deal? Spun wheels of steel since broke wheel, big wheel. Back when it was greasy as curl, now it's easy dread. Had a rhyme on how they used to tease him about his peasy head. Yes, yes, y'all, to the beat. Have a ball. Hey there, uh, champ. Hey, hey, sport. Welcome to Patsuki. I just got it. You just got in from the cold, and your dad's got a bowl of soup ready for you. And uh, you know what? Time to shout out. Uh, this is the only podcast. <laughs> You're always so ever... surprised that we're starting the podcast. <laughs> you know, I try to like. I feel like I mind wipe myself before we start all these, and I just go in fresh face. You know, like a truly great improviser, which means an all right comedian at best. Anyways, yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm re- I'm gonna keep that in for sure. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, one of the Kaiju Hollywood bad boys, Brandon. We talk about monster movies. Uh, we're getting to the second Evangelion film, and you know what? These are actually giant monsters. If you think about it, uh, that's not really too controversial if you know the series at all. Anyways, that's it for me. Bye. Yeah, I'm I'm another one of your Kaiju Kaiju Hollywood <laughs> bad so boys. Uh, Luke Evans flip and yeah like we usually wait till everyone's introduced to talk about the start of the movie but we did watch Ava 2 at my request because I'm super gay for Ava and like well nice. we'll, we'll get into it I got a lot to say uh hey I'm your third co-host Martin Felschman very happy to be here uh, all I know about Ava is the last movie we watched in this movie so I'm excited to talk about it and get get everything out there and oh my god who's who's the special guest we got for this episode uh, hey, I'm. Am I introducing myself? Yeah, I didn't yes, work yeah, that out. All right, yeah, that's fine. I didn't. I didn't want to jump <laughs> in and cut anybody off. Uh, <laughs> I'm Keith Paisel. Uh, I'm a longtime Ava fan. I had a summer where I should have been in college, but I was just living with my dad. Where I got into anime, and just I've hung on to pretty much only Ava. And from that summer of anime, Ava is the only thing I've hung on to over the years. What? That's cool. Yeah. That when we when I originally suggested doing the because we talked about doing Ava for a long time, then we talked about I was like, well, let's just do the rebuild movies because that's kind of supposed to be a retelling of the series anyway. Yeah. And I remember like I would see you at Mike sometimes, and I saw you. I guess you had a, you have a Nerve shirt. Yes, I was thinking and about so that today. Would, I lost it. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and uh, I used to have <laughs> when I got the uh, volume the first Ava DVD I ever got. I started getting into it when the Platinum Collection was coming out. I would go to FYE, and I would buy one of the volumes. The first one came with a Nerve parking pe- permit. Like, it was a personalized one. Where it just it just had, had a different number at the bottom of each one. Man. But I had that on my car until, like, until uh, I sold my car a couple of years ago. It was, like, that, a little, like, removable, like, plastic decal. Oh, that's that is classic that's pre-internet marketing right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Remember when, I, like, you no, would buy a DVD and it came with shit? Or oh, a video yeah. game and it had a booklet? Oh, I missed that. Oh, they still do that. 
I mean, I guess maybe not too. Uh, the last one I just that came to mind for some reason I, is Mario I'm, vs. Capcom 3. I'm on the Reddit Nintendo group, and people for the last few days have been posting about it like, oh, hey, I got this video game, and it came with a booklet. Yeah. Whoa. Now, now things come with DVDs. That's just like what they give you. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice, I mean, but I, I did want to touch on this. I be, I feel like every boy in their lifetime has a summer of anime. And mine <laughs> definitely was uh, Trigun, Evangelion, Cowboy Bebop, and then uh, Gundam. Like, all those together. Um, I mean, you know, the funny thing is Evangelion didn't stick with me as long as that. I, I watched it when I was younger, and I went back and revisited it maybe like, ooh, I want to say like a decade ago. Just because of what I, I found a stream of it online, but... It, it it hasn't aged with me as well as like uh, the Gundam series, which I went back and watched through almost all during the pandemic, which I'm going to force you all to watch after this. But you know, I'm not saying that as any discredit because I think going back and watch these movies, I'm like, yeah, they're still they're still pretty good. I mean, that's not like a spoiler for when we talk about it later for reviews. Isn't but, there like you know. ten Gundam diff like different series? Like there's the main one, and then there's Mobile oh, Suit Gundam, there's, and then there's, oh, there's tens, way more tens than a ten. small number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, so. With Gundam, you have the UC, which is the Universal Century, which is the main storyline. That has multiple offshoots in itself that are all divergent. But then you have the alternative universes, which is like Iron-Blooded Orphan, which is a more popular recent... Hey, they're alternate universes, but aren't they all kind of the same story? They they are, and sometimes they are not. It's uh, I think they are pretty good with some of them where they get divergent and are really interesting. Iron-Blooded Orphan is definitely a, a lot different take on the usual Gundam franchise. But then, like Wing and Gundam X and a few others, they're like it basically rehashes the original. I, I feel like if you know stupid. if you know any Gundam series, you probably know Wing. That was the Wing one is that the got one, really yeah. big on because I remember the yeah. toys. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I still I still got a few of those models I've been building over the pandemic and before this too. Man, it's it's fun. It's like it's like my little bonsai tree for. Uh, they seem so away. intricate. Yeah. Isn't that the thing? They're real small pieces you have to put together. Yeah, yeah, so I, man, we're going down a lot of nerdy routes here. The, <laughs> the bigger, the bigger ones that are like the more professional grade ones that have a lot of details are called the master grade ones, which are pretty big for what you put together. But they came out with a new one about a decade ago called Real Grade, which is a smaller one but has more parts, and that's like for people who just like want to rip their dick off but don't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it is, yeah. I've never built one, but I've had friends that have built them, and they all it is is just like complaining text back and forth of like, why do I need to put a finger together that is more microscopic than like uh, than anything I could imagine? <laughs> it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I do kind of want to build one one day. Before we get going on uh, Ava, I do want to mention. I think it's interesting you brought up that summer of anime because I think that's totally true. Like, I said it's my- a joke, but it's I think it's true. My summer of anime, which is actually before I actually got into anime, it was what introduced me to anime. I probably mentioned this in one of our other episodes where we've done anime stuff, but it was like uh, I was a summer where my parents wanted to go on a vacation by themselves, so they sent me and my brother to our grandparents' house, and like they were the cool grandparents, they were the ones who would buy us whatever we wanted, and like tons of soda to be drank and food to be eaten. Nice, but uh, it was when the Sci-Fi Channel was doing their like. Every night, like every like Saturday, Friday night, they would play an anime movie. Yeah, and I remember that's how I saw like the first time I saw Tenchi Muyo. They played the Tenchi Muyo movie, and also oh, yeah, Galaxy no, Express three nine. Which like ooh, I do love me some Galaxy. I Express feel embarrassed about uh, Tenchi Muyo a little bit. <laughs> but was that the original Toonami block? No, remember? this was. I mean, I guess with Sci Fi Channel. Yeah. 
So this is going to be real nerdy because I know the specifics exactly. <laughs> uh, Galaxy Express was played in reruns and sci-fi a lot on like the weekends because I remember watching it as a kid. Uh, Tenchi Muyo was played on Adult Swim after like the big boom of like Gundam. Well, they, they was on Toonami. Like the the show was on Toonami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did a few back and forth between them. I don't know if it's because they had similar syndication at the time. I think it's because like, it was the was... same studio, right? William Street was Toonami, then they became Adult Swim. Yeah. yeah, that's why Maltar was the uh, host originally. Yeah, and you know what? R.I.P. to Maltar, man. He he had it going, but he wasn't ready for the the world that needed Tom. You know, that's just how that's how it goes sometimes. And more R.I.P. to C. Martin Croker, who voiced Maltar and Zorak. Yeah, that's a bummer. But yeah, oh. we're here to talk about Evangelion two point. We didn't get to Martin's Oh, okay. No, it doesn't matter. Let's just keep going. Tell us when he jerked off in the first time. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That, that I, means it's naughty if he wants to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when did you realize cartoon characters could be hot? Uh, I was oh, like, man, that was, I was a kid, Yeah, man. no, I was like Gadget fucking... Run around the Rescue Rangers? I, I, I was on, eight. Dude. Anime didn't do that to me, but... I, uh, okay. I, 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 I guess, guess Sonic but, Saturday Morning did it to me. So. Uh, Harley Quinn. Interesting. I, I I've liked I've liked <laughs> yeah, a lot of anime over the years, and I liked a lot of anime through childhood. My specific summer of anime, I guess, would be it, it must have been in the middle of like being a teenager, which I think is the best time for that to happen. Um, and it was when uh, Samurai Champloo was coming out on Adult Swim. Uh, Ooh, Ooh that's that, a good one. That, that got me going to the deep dive because I always liked Cowboy Bebop, but Samurai Champloo was just it was oh god. Uh, no, no, we're talking about Ava. Let's let's start talking about Ava. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. I feel like I should uh, I should let you take the helm on this one, Luke. I mean, yeah, I suppose just we did the uh, these are the rebuild movies. There were planned to be four, and four have been made, but only three of them have been released. Like the the fourth one was actually supposed to come out like a couple of days after we recorded our episode on. Uh, Evangelion 1.0. You are parentheses not in parentheses alone, but uh, because the pandemic started getting worse in Japan, the studio who I suppose they own the re- rights to release it theatrically, because that's the only reason I can think why it hasn't come out on DVD. Like they have like rights of first refusal, where they it has to come out in theaters first. And they're not going to release it to theaters until they can make money off of it. But so, like, the third... It's been almost a decade since the last Rebuild movie came out. And this one was the second one, and it came out in 09. And it's arguably, I'd say, the best out of all of them. Because it's still kind of... fall. The first one is just the first seven episodes of Evangelion. This one, it kind of continues on, on that track. But it changes the characters a little bit. It changes who certain things happen to. And it's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, I, I like the progression because uh, the first movie I enjoyed, and it was pretty much, I mean, they did change a few things in the first one, but not enough where it was, I'd say, noticeable if you were doing a rewatch. But this is like, it definitely is. It feels like about like halfway through, it starts to take some big turns. And I mean, the beginning of it, too, how they... Uh, Introduce uh, Mari's character is pretty fun too. That that oh, was a really cool yeah, scene. Mari. <laughs> yeah, I do not do not like her character, but I do think they are trying to make her a bad character, like on purpose. 
So, am I, I am I wrong, or am I going to find out as we go? No, I think I was interested in her character when I first watched this movie. the The simple fact is, though. In the third movie, they don't really do anything with her. Well, yeah, that's what She's I was going to say. At the beginning of the second movie, they kind of set you up that she has some underhanded plot because she says, like, they let me, this got me into nerve. And then in the third one, which I just f- saw for the first time today, it's just kind of not God, focused on any of the characters. Yeah, it's just Jeez. a. The third one is really weird and different from everything else. Yeah, and the CGI jump you could see instantly. Like I popped it on and I was like, "Oh, they had more money for this one." Well, that's that's the thing that I want to get more into later too, but where like the series Evangelion was marred by like coming in late and being constantly under budget, but through that you get the art through adversity. Like some of the best episodes of the original series were basically clip episodes because they didn't have any money. Until the next episode came around. Yeah, in the last episode where Shinji's kind of hallucinating and he's stuck in his Ava unit, they kind of just have him behind a picture, a still picture, and and Anno said, like, no, that was supposed to be this whole sequence, but we couldn't afford to do it. Yeah, they're like animation tests. They used, like, animatics before animatics existed to tell the last few episodes. But those are awesome! Like, those are, like, what I like. Yeah, it makes it kind of, it's like a little of, like, guessing, like a guessing game. Like, uh, you leave it to the imagination kind of thing. Yeah. This is a a quick aside, too. You've all seen the original series. I don't think this is going to be a spoiler for Martin, because you're not, are you going to ever go back and watch the original Evangelion, you think? I mean, probably, eventually. It'll okay. be, I, I won't spoil I'll, them. I'll wait until eight years after Podzuki ends. How's that sound? <laughs> but I could, I could talk about this without getting into spoilers because it's very divisive among fans. But how do you guys feel about the original series ending? I mean, uh, I go. You go first, Keith. I was gonna say I usually, I look at it as not the ending, and then end of Evangelion is the actual ending. So like, the end of the show is what was going on in Shinji's head and then end of is actually the ending. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I like that. I'd, I'd agree with that kind of, I, I see it as almost the budget restraints. Like, cause I know the history behind it where it's like they did what they could with what they had at the end of it. And then since it picked up some popularity after the series finished and they got some money, the movie kind of was more of what they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. So I see one is like, I see them both as real endings to the show, but one's like the version of, what they had to do on the fly, and others the actual ending of what they wanted. To do. I, I I totally agree with that, and I've always thought, well, like I think the ending of the series, like this is a theory I heard somewhere. I don't know if it's coming from the creators at all, but this is my head canon, where the ending of the series is actually what's happening at the end of like the episode before the end, the instrumentality started, like with the Kaoru fight. Yeah, like that long yeah. period before he before he like does what he does. Like, that's what's happening to Shinji. Mm-hmm. And then end is what happens after that, after the series is done. But also end, because it came out, like, I don't think too long after the series was done. But it's really kind of Hideaki Anno saying, like, oh, you want a real ending? You want a real fucking ending? I'll give you a fucking ending. <laughs> well, yeah, he Everybody's shows the death dead he got. and they're unhappy. Yeah, the, Everybody's the unhappy, then they die. At the beginning of End Of, they, he puts all the death threats on the screen or the earths at some point in the movie, he shows the death threats he got for how the show ended. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I did not know. Yeah. That, but also that that's a real, that's a real baller move though. 
And it is, oh, which man. is why, like, I though I like this movie, and the third one was different. I don't hate it, but it's like, Anno is not the man he was now when he made the original series and the first couple of movies. I feel like yeah, now no, he he's not. more interested in doing like cool animated robot fights, which is cool, but you know, he's not running out of out of money, so he has to have like 10 minutes of a black screen with text on it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel like uh I mean, I wouldn't I I feel like his career right now I enjoy a lot though too because I I still think Shin Godzilla is one of the best films of like the decade of the 2010s. It's so good. Also, I mean, not not just as a Godzilla fan, obviously, with this podcast, <laughs> but, like, it's also very condensed message on, like, the just the, the frailty of bureaucracy and how it's holding everything back, which uh, I'm always a fan of after experiencing the last, I don't know, entire 20 years of being an adult. <laughs> so, um, but to get back on to the, like, actual Evangelion uh, 2.0, of like I said, we kind of left it at the very beginning of like Mari's introduced with that very cool fight of like, and you don't really see her. She's wearing an, a, a plug suit with like a visor you've never seen, and that's just to create some mystery around her so we don't see her face. She's complaining yeah. about how the suit doesn't fit her ample bosom. Yeah, the, the thing I, I also have to mention is like, as I get older, it's like. As a kid, it's kind of fun and cool to have these characters sexualized because I was 14 or 15 at the time oh, yeah. when I saw yeah. this. But now as an adult, I'm like, I hope my partner does not look over and look at this right. when watching yeah. it. I don't want to go to jail. Well, that's what I thought was funny was they have, I think it's Asuka, where when she gets her new suit, she was like, who, what pervert designed this? And yeah. I just think it's funny oh, that yeah, the, Anno had enough self-awareness yeah. to design the character that way and still call himself out through the character. Yeah. He, he had enough awareness. Yeah, that's to, true. He had enough awareness to do that, but then also give us like three or four other scenes of Asuka. There, there are hot characters in the show who are of legal age. They could have given us them. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a lot better. I think. Well, yeah, and around. they go more hardcore because in the show, when Asuka, when you in that that scene in the kitchen where she pops open the shower curtain and the the ta- the items on the table hide her like private parts. That's like a two second scene in the show. And in this one, they like, she does a spin About two kick. hours, it feels like. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a whole scene. Yeah. I mean, also, they, they didn't have to do a straw joke covering genitals in this because, like, this is, motherfucker, this is Evangelion. I don't need this kind of humor here. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, yeah, it it's so the weird. same thing that happened to Shinji when he, like, went to take a bath and Pen yeah. Pen scared him. Like, yeah. They had toothpicks covering his junk instead of a straw. At least it's lighthearted and not Oscar's nipples. At least it's lighthearted <laughs> and not the beginning of End of Evangelion, where he's just ma- yeah, that's very yeah. true. <laughs> but yeah, we still have it. Like so, Mari at the beginning of the movie, she's in some other countries. Their version of Nerve. Yeah, the Euro. One of the things I do really Euro like about this movie, Nerve. they build the world really. Yeah, it's like Europe. It's like Euro Nerve Disney Euro. World. Yeah, Euro Disney Nerve. <laughs> and they've apparently had an angel. That they were dissecting, but it's gotten loose, and now Mari has to go and kill it. And that's our opening action scene, which is and it's pretty good. Like you see some cool shit happen. Yeah, very well yeah. done. Like you, like it's it's a weakened angel, but it does this one thing where like it, it's miles underground, but it like just cuts like a big chunk, like a, a cylindrical chunk of earth out, and then it falls on it, and then it pushes it up so it can get out from underground. Like that's a cool little thing they do 
Yeah, also the design for the provisional Unit 5, which is like a prototype, I really like. It's fun to see with these series of them experimenting with the original designs of the units, but like where it seems It reminded me like of Iron, that, that game, Armored Core, because it was on like treads. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, where you got to design your own mech. Yeah. But this is, uh, after that, that's when it gets back to kind of where it left off in both the series and the movie from last time of picking up with uh, Gendo and uh, Shinji visiting uh, the grave, which is a Yeah, nice this is, it's a mass graveyard. Like, well, there yeah. are no actual, like, nobody's actually buried there. It's just like an honorary graveyard. They're just posts. Yeah, I think yeah. it's something like For people who like died, that. I think, as a result of the second impact. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, that's uh, I think with this movie, you see the he expands a little bit like he just probably was just like, eh, let's just put more just because it's a bigger movie. So let's put all these crosses in there. Like, I just think it's him kind of yeah. just wanting to ball out. Yeah, get that big budget. Going. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. probably. Yeah, I can see that where like he's someone like worked really well in a budget, but now he can do whatever he wants. He's not he's not George Lucas. But yeah, and I think he even shows you probably shouldn't do because there's the scene where Shinji wakes up and they show the morning. They show Tokyo three like in the morning where the trains are firing up and the sun shields flip over. And it's you. I think he's showing you like, look how much bigger everything is now. Oh, Oh, that's my favorite scene in the entire movie. That little montage where like you see how Tokyo three works. Especially those pylons, because those, like, you look at the design of Tokyo 3 from the series, those are there. But this is the first time you ever see exactly what they do. Like, I, my headcan is that they they both, like, their solar panel to both absorb power of the sun, but they also direct the sunlight down into the geofront. Which is why. I I mean, when I watched it as a kid, I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to see some additional pylons with this movie, if anything. More pylons! We finally got it. <laughs> Sorry, I want to get, get one StarCraft joke in. <laughs> Somebody out there who listens to this will appreciate that out of our our small handful of listeners. Um, yeah, it's uh, the designs and the more they kind of expand on the world, I like in the movies too. Both seeing like Tokyo Three um, and later on, I really like that when he's having the meeting with Seal. And they do that thing in the anime where it's like all those talking ones. I like it actually Seal? cuts away and it's Seal. Uh, the, it's pronounced Seal, isn't it? Sele. Yeah. Sele. No. I always <laughs> well, thought it was just Seal. The guy who wrote Kiss from a Rose is the <laughs> director of Nerd. <Yeah. laughs> but I mean, you know, he he wrote a banger in 1997. He's like, you know what? I think I should figure out how to stop God from killing her. <laughs> hey, you know what? He could have been the only celebrity to survive the second impact. Eh, that's, a, that's not a bad point. I'm going to go with this theory now. Uh, so Seal, after <laughs> how he got that face scar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly don't listen to his lies um but yeah, i do like after their meeting they cut away and you see that he's actually just in a green room when he's doing these meetings and i i really like that touch a lot oh yeah that's cool especially like in the show it was they probably because they ran out of money originally he was meeting with someone like it was a room kind of like that they didn't have the green screen because green screen wasn't really a thing yet if they were if it was a thing it was, would have been blue but they were like actual people he was talking to and then I guess they realize, like, ten episodes in, like, hey, we could just make them, like, monoliths, like, from 2001, and so we don't have to animate any lips moving, which yeah. the monoliths and are, like, cool. really cool. Like, I like that, that that's what the, how the yeah. council is represented. Yeah. 
I mean, once again, it's more of that kind of old Christian monotheism imagery they use a lot, and it's like to their advantage of where it's both cheap to animate but also looks cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, to like also go forward with the plot a little bit too. It's uh, they get into a lot of the daily life. I like that they. Well, have time we to still haven't gotten to Oscar yet. Because like we've oh that's true because yeah. as Misato is driving herself and Shinji back to their apartment from the graveyard, she gets a call. There's an angel attack, and then like part of the angel falls on the road, and they almost die horribly by running into it. And then like yeah. oh we got to get the nerves so Shinji can get in the Ava so she, he can beat it, but then apparently their new pilot. Asuka Langley Shikanami is her name now. Changed her last than... name, yeah. Yeah, yeah they it's... apparently changed her name because she was originally Asuka Langley Soryu. Was they changed German. her name. Yeah, to, they changed her name to match with the other female characters because there was Mari Makanami, Rei Ayanami, and now Asuka Shikanami. It's mm-hmm. dumb, but it doesn't really matter. It's kind of hoping they were going to introduce like a fifth character that would just be Nami, Nami, Nami. <laughs> <laughs> just go with the naming, you know. Don't stop. And she takes out the Ava, no problem. Yeah, all that by fight, herself. I, I I should say is super cool. That, that's I think my the highlight of this film for me. The of all the angel fights was this one because of uh, the falling and like the reacting to the angel adapting to it and then doing that like. Uh, knife heel kick into it that, that all of that was just super yeah cool. that robin that hood really she well gets good. every all the progressive knives directly into yeah. each other yeah it, it was it, it's a it's a good way to introduce her character because i feel like uh it's a little bit more i wouldn't say it's lackluster in the original series but this one's just more fun i mean the, the, and then as they had to get a lot of things across very quickly in this movie because like you basically go through all of Oscar's story arc, which happens in like eight episodes in the series. You got to get it through in like forty minutes at the most. Yeah, because yeah. they do a lot of to set up her confidence. Yeah, because yeah, there's whole episodes of the show where it's just Shinji in Misato's apartment, and they had to compress those down. Well, yeah, which thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in the original series, it's you have more of an emotional weight, and it does give it that more of a, that whole like psychoanalysis feel as the series goes. But I think they realized they wanted to do something a little different in the movie, so it feels like it's it's less time ruminating on that, more action packed, which I, I'm fine with. I think it kind of makes it its own beast as we've watched the film, which is kind of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, Asuka's introduced, and she immediately moves in with uh, Misato and Shinji. They they talk about it more in the series, but basically just, like, she doesn't really have any Guardians there. So, like, just, like, Masada's like, I'm already living with, have Shinji living with me. It'd just be convenient to have the other Ava pilot living with me as well. I'm like, the logic kind of tracks, I feel like. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. And, then, good enough for and me. then in this one, they kind of link it to, because in the show, they kind of have to build their relationship. But in the movie, they do a good job of saying, like, well, you have to live with her because you guys have to sync up so you could fight together. Yeah, which is uh, one of the bummers. I don't know if they're going to have this one, but from the series, I don't think they're going to have the synchronized dance fight, which I really loved. Oh yeah, yeah they don't. They great. don't have both of you dance like you want to win, unfortunately. Which is was the episode that really kind of like blossomed the relationship between Asuka and Shinji. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
there's more, I feel like, friction in the movie, which I'm fine with, because I think it's uh, working with the dynamics of what they have in the limited time. Well, well, Asuka is very different in the uh, movie than she was from the the uh, series. Because in the, in the yeah. movie, again, because they had to compress it, she's much more, like, obviously damaged. Yeah. Whereas in the show, like, you, it takes, like, five episodes and her getting brain raped by one of the angels, which it was apparently something they had uh, storyboarded, but never actually animated. Like the, her, the, the uh, angel that violates her mind. Yeah. Which is like, I'm glad that they, they did it maybe more tastefully for this movie than I think would have originally been handled. <laughs> uh, that, that whole thing's interesting as we get to it, but there's a few, a few fights and introductions before that. I feel like, of like, um, I like they focus a little bit more on the the kids in the school and their relationships and dynamics, and then eventually getting to introducing Mari as it goes to. Um, they also between all of that too have it where uh, Gendo and what's his what's his companion visiting the moon, yeah Yutsuki visiting the moon base, which that whole thing is very new to the movie. But I like, I I thought it was a little over the top when they first introduced it in the first movie, but I like what they're doing with it in the second one now for how they're explaining it and what they're kind of planning with it. So yeah, Kaoru is big in the third movie. They kind of sprinkle him in. And I almost am just because at the end of the first movie you see him and then you think he's going to be in the second one and, and he's not in it until like halfway. Yeah. And that was, uh, I, I like the introduction of him of both being a space boy and then uh, saying hi to his dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Which, the thing is, they, they, they highlight that a little bit more in this movie. And I mean, they make it a little bit more ambiguous in the series, but like. Even the scene where, like, Ray's having dinner with Gendo and he looks over and he sees his wife. It's like, I get it. I know. Okay, I get it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I kind of wanted because in the show, Ray, uh, Ray being a, a clone of the mom is kind of a big reveal. And I think in the movie, they soften it a little bit. And maybe it's because they assume people already know or if they just are like, eh, let's there's bigger. We have a new big shock or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's kind and of my a, thought about it as well, it. where like it's like who's going to see this other than fans of Evangelion, but also yeah. they try and like compress and change the story. So it would be palatable for people who've never watched it before. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird amalgamation of all of that, but I kind of like what they got out of it. I mean, at least so far it's smooth sailing for the second movie. I, it's going to be interesting when we get to the third one, but it's something new enough where I've been enjoying how the story has been progressing and I could see it being easy for people to get into, but I think if you were a fan of the series, there's a lot to chew on that they kind of add you never got to see, and exploring a lot of like really wild ideas. Um, I kind of want to bring it to like Mari's character because like uh, she plays a bigger part in this movie, especially towards the end of it. But like, I- I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of her character in this. How do you guys? Well, feel she about seems her? just kind of like an English speaking Asuka, like she's the American version of Asuka, because I think she's supposed to be American, right? Because they subtitle her every time she talks. Uh, she's supposed to be English, yeah. from what yeah. I've read. Oh, but it but just it's seems also like, go ahead. Yeah, it ju- it just seems like she's j- kind of just as cocky as Asuka. So I wish they would have just made her personality a little different than just being a sure shot British girl or whatever. I mean, my biggest problem with her is that she seems to have so much more knowledge about the Evangelions than the other children 
which like she's fought one weakened Ave uh, angel. Why does she know so much about the Evangelion and how to work it? Yeah. Well, I'm with your tone. I'm assuming they don't answer that too much in the third movie. No, she she she's in the third movie, but she doesn't. She's just there. She there's yeah. really no character development on her end in the third movie. Yeah. It, it's interesting. I wonder if this is like they wanted to add a new character and they kind of ran out of steam well, quickly. My, or they kind of had a... Okay. So what I thought they were going to do, and after watching this, I've watched this since uh, the last time we talked about Ava, like at least two times, that she was going to... She was a spy on Nerve working with Kaji. We haven't mentioned Kaji yet. Kaji is Masato's ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Who moves to Japan yeah. working for Nerve? But like because she shows up, Shinji is on the roof of his school, and Mari parachutes in, lands on top of him, and she talks to him like, "Oh, you smell like LCL, so you must be a pilot." She hands him back his tape player. He has a, he has a uh, cassette player that he's had throughout the entire series and through the movies, and then the next scene. Shinji is in, like, wherever they keep the vending machines at Nerve, listening to his tape player. I'm like, what's, what is this? What's going on? Then Kaji shows up, offers, offers him a canned coffee, and then pretends to almost kiss him. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's when Kaji took the tape that Mari had put inside of the tape player. Ooh, that's a good thing. I also oh. know... And this could explain how she knows so much. I know from info from the manga that she is older than them. Because in the manga, they introduce her and she it's like ni- the late 90s and she's like 16. So that means that when... Which is like 53 by Ava Pilot's standards. Yeah, so, so when they is introduce there- her in this movie, she's probably closer to 30 act- actual yeah. age-wise. So that's probably why she Is there like a new more. manga? Because she wasn't in the original manga, was she? I think it might have been the Angelic Days because they have the Angelic Days series. Oh, where it's like isn't that isn't that alternate a fan made thing? And then this was, and then this is also because they did some extra chapters after the manga ended. They did like an extra chapter. Let me, I think, let me look up the title here. It's Eden in the Sun is the name of the Eden in Summer. Is yeah, the name but of those the, aren't official, aren't they? I I think those are just fan made. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't know because I, I I'm I'm a, I'm a I, part of like basically any social media I have other than Instagram I'm part of Ava groups. I remember people talking about that Angelic Days sounds very familiar, which I think it's a very popular manga because it's apparently written really well, but I don't believe it's official at all. I think it's just very good, right? Fan work. That's curious. I kind of want to check that out a little bit. Uh, yeah, it, I think it would be interesting to. I like that idea if they well maybe it's good they don't point it out too much of like what Mari and uh, you know uh, Kaji are doing of like I mean, it, if they're spies or not but having those details what they did in the next movie kind of ruins it <laughs> but okay I'm not well, gonna I'm looking that forward up. to that <laughs> yeah well I mean even in the original series though Kaji was always annoying so I'm fine whatever they do with him <laughs> so, also yeah. uh, wait yeah. can we take a second Martin's his thing's fucked up right. Martin, are you here? Yeah, I think, I think he's back though. Now, I think it's working. Martin, I don't uh, think so. I heard him for like a second. Well, I kept yeah, seeing I his like things, or no, no, hear some sound, but 
Yeah, he said that he said on the chat that we have to carry on uh, onwardly and uh, bravely for this podcast while he gets it working. Okay. Okay, so we want to just keep yeah. going. Oh, he just sent something. I think so. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, I was wrapping it up. I keep dropping my wire connection stopping. Now I'm going off my crappy Wi-Fi. Yeah. I think, well, we're already so I far along. I guess just keep going. Sorry, Martin. But yeah. We love you. We could always do. Yeah, we love you, Martin. We support you. Uh, maybe we could do like an extra audio track we put in for him as like commentary for this episode. That'd be afterwards. great. I'll figure something out. <laughs> our our own two point two two for this, if you will. But anyway, <laughs> story wise, in the movie, we're at the first fight that involves all three of the children in the Avas, because there is a uh, an angel coming to Earth from out of orbit. And it's going to land directly on Tokyo 3 and basically destroy everything. Like, it's like just like a huge object. So Masato comes up with a plan for where, like, they're going to set up each Ava at different points in the city. And then they're all going to run towards a central area as the angel is coming into the atmosphere. And they're going to adjust their... To, Depending on how it moves as it falls, they're going to adjust their trajectory so they can catch it with their AT fields. Yeah, which it seems like a good plan at first, <laughs> but is it? That's the real question. I mean, it actually it goes off without a hitch. I think it's a plan like they're like people get hurt, and even uh, even Misato admits like, oh, it, when she has that argument with Ritsuko. Where, like, yeah. oh, we're going to have three unoperational AVAs for at least, like, a couple of days after this plan. Because it involves all of them. They can't be connected to their power source. Because AVAs have to be connected to a power source. Otherwise, they only have, like, three minutes five of power. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. And so, but it's also, like, oh, otherwise, then the Geofront's going to be exposed. And the Angel's going to have access to Lilith. Yeah, and then they that this is when they introduce the idea of taking Unit Zero offline because they also establish early when Asuka comes in that Unit Three is like the only as like or Unit Two is the actual first Ava. Zero and One are just prototypes. Yeah, yeah. So but yeah, they get decommissioned. But Two is the one that they eventually take offline, isn't it? Because it's Asuka's. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then, I, yeah, I see that's... what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was. It took me a second, but I was thinking like, yeah. okay, so you can't decommission zero or one because they're not well, real Avas. Yeah, and I think the only reason they allow for Unit One because Unit One has some. It has something to do with the Human Instrumentality Project. I think right. Like they need Unit One. Oh, yeah, it kind of eventually yeah. comes to that. Like, they mentioned yeah. instrumentality here in the movie a couple of times, I think. But yeah, much like the really series, on, not yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, they were... It's, uh, uh, I, go ahead. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays into the third movie, because now it does have me curious of where they're going. Because, like, by the end of this one, it's it's quite different from the series on every level. So... Yeah. But... but yeah, we're, we're almost to that point. But, yeah, they're... they're uh, Shinji is the one who manages to actually catch the Ava. So then it is then Asuka and Ray's job to kill it because he's holding it up. And he gets fucked up because, like, the Ava, the angel, like, pierces his hands like stigmata. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, then, like, uh, so... Yeah, it looks pretty painful. Yeah, Nasca like, she's about to, like, destroy the core, but then the core moves. So then Ray has to come in and hold the core still so that Asuka can stab it with the progressive knives. Wait, you're not, you're not and... going to bring up how the core was moving around like one of those cool cat toys? Yeah, it yeah, was moving around fun. like a cat toy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen those. Shinji's batting at it like a cat. Exactly. I've, I've, I've played <laughs> yeah. with those things while very high. They're very fun. Yeah. yeah. yeah I get why time. cats like them. Exactly. Yeah. LCL's but the, the important thing head. to note is that although the plan worked very well and all the pilots performed really well, Asuka's really beaten up by it because she wasn't able to do everything by herself. And that she had any kind of failure at all like by not immediately being able to stab the core. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing that I think is a negative of it being in movie form is I feel like in the show they would have really explored that failure more. Where in this one they kind of just like... Well, this perfection has failed, and we kind of just have to move on because we have. Well, in the show, it was kind of like a series of failures. Yeah, yeah. They kind because, of break like, her they, down. They were all build up to it, but like, again, they had to condense it and have her be catatonic or whatever, like before the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Which is, I get it. Once again, they're working on a timeline. It seems like they're trying to do different things, but want to have other things kind of line up with it. Uh, so it's a lot, it's a lot of pieces in play, especially as they're trying to like. I think this has been pretty good, and I enjoyed this one a lot. But like they, they have they have a lot they're trying to do in this hour and fifty minutes for sure. Yeah. So well, now we get into another one of my favorite scenes from the movie when uh, let's let's talk about Kaji real quick first because I realize we've only talked about him a little bit. Yeah, they, they spend a little more time on him, I feel like, in the movie of at least exploring his character a little bit more, because he's not as featured in the original series, I feel like. I mean, he's he's pretty important in the original series, but he's like, there's not a scene where he assaults Masato like he does in the original series. Yeah, they kind yeah, of t- oh they kind of feign it with uh, Ritsuko, where he comes up from behind her and is like, what are you wearing under there? And she's like, oh, I'd, if we weren't being seen, I'd show you. And that's like the one scene where they show him. Yeah, her but he, he does that, too, in the anime. He does yeah. that and he assaults Masato on the elevator. Is she, as give, is she as accepting of that? Is Ritsuko as accepting of it in the show? I feel like in the movie they made her more down to, like, bang to bang him yeah probably i mean it's also where like ritsuko like in the series was kind of a villain but in the movies she's not really doesn't seem to especially with like the last one she doesn't seem to be a villain at all well it seems like in this one and and from seeing the third one i i think it's true they kind of separate the the underhanded scheme of it and make it more of a gendo thing than all of nerve yeah i also feel like they made her a natural blonde which she's not which i thought was a (laughs) yeah and we're upset we all know anime characters have purple hair yeah i do want there to be at least one anime where everybody has crazy hair like that but it's just everyone has dyed their hair and everybody just gets accused of it eventually you you talk about like, like anime people having crazy hair but i feel like in the original series like you see young ritsuko she's a brunette and then an adult, she's blonde, and occasionally you'll see her roots growing. Like, but they—it's never acknowledged. It's just a bit of visual storytelling that I love. Yeah, yeah. 
Also, like one thing I will point out, and they do it a little bit in the show, but the end of this specific angel battle where they all three have to go, they just flood the city with angel LCL. And I think this is oh, more, yeah. where it's just like, this is more of a catastrophe than any sort of impact. Like, I feel like they just blow up like, oh yeah, by the way, the whole city was drowned in angel blood. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that scene that was, when, like, yeah, when it explodes and the, the blood so goes cool, everywhere. Though. That's really cool. It's so cool. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, once again, I'm glad that they actually they had this huge budget and they used it. Because, uh, I mean, all of the fight scenes in this movie, I think, are definitely the best I've seen even for any of the series. Uh, but, yeah, as they as they kind of explore this, too, is this... I forget between these scenes if, that, if that's where... Asuka sneaks into Shinji's room at night, or if it's after this. It's battle. after. I this. think it's it's right after the first battle that <clears throat> the battle they all have together, right? But before mm-hmm. their field trip yeah. with Kaji. Yes, no, no. I think it's after the field trip with Kaji, though, because I remember that happens kind of like in the midpoint of the movie, and that's kind of towards the end of it. Well, in yeah, any way, he's replacing yeah, a much more problematic scene from the series. This is a, when I watch 3.0, I'm going to take better notes. I'm going to make that promise now for this episode. It's all good. To uh, <laughs> yeah. f- f- to let you behind the fourth wall, I literally have it on as we're talking about it right now, just to kick my memory, my weed yeah. memory. Yeah, I mean, that's also another thing that we're all fighting against, I feel like, during this pandemic. Yeah. But yeah, like, Miss uh, Asuka comes into Shinji's room, whereas when it happened in the original series... She, like, sleepily, because Misato had been making them sleep in the same room because they had been training for a mission where they had to be completely synchronized. So she actually, she, like, Misato was out for the night. So Asuka was staying in a different room. But then she went to pee, sleepily went back into Shinji's room. And Shinji saw her, and she was in, like, her pajamas, and her boobs were kind of like pressed up and he yeah almost kissed her while she was asleep. He didn't but he was about to and yeah he does something, he, pro- he does much worse later. Yeah, as he proclaimed at the beginning of End of Ava, I'm so fucked up. He's so fucked yeah, up. I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh what a great line though. I, I do I think this is actually handled a little bit better in the movie for how they do this scene. I think it's a it's a better way of developing the characters a little bit more and have it be kind of a... I mean, I guess I do like with the original series, too. They should underplay the fact that these are, like, hormonal teens dealing right. with a bunch of trauma, too. Well, yeah, they do, because so as they're laying together, she it, they kind of sell it as she just... She's lonely because she just had this failure, and she wants to finally connect with Shinji, and he's really nervous about it. Like, he kind of tenses up physically when she lays in the bed and even asks, like, is this okay? And he's just like, oh, I, I, yeah, I guess... Yeah, what a virgin. Oh, yeah. What Spike Spencer's such a dork. I'm so glad they got him back for it, though, because I, I think he does a really excellent job as, as Shinji. Not just because it's like a nostalgia thing for a lot of us, but like it, it is that voice you imagine for that character. Oh, now, I, think. I when these like, f- I, movies first came out, a big sticking point for me was if they don't get Spike, I might not support these movies. I mean, I like yeah. Spike as much as the next guy, but I think like... Uh, Tiffany Grant and Allison Keith are far more important to the series than Spike Spencer is. Well, and I've also heard from the the Japanese version, the dude who does the voice of Shinji on that is way more famous. That like that he's that like if they can't get him, they won't even do the show. Damn. Wait, isn't Shinji I mean, voiced by it, a though. woman? 
And who? I, I, I mean, I, so. I never looked into the like, but I've I've heard that the actor, the voice actor of Shinji of the Japanese Shinji is like super popular. I mean, I'm, oh I'm, damn, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Mugi, uh, Megami uh, Ogata looks like. Yeah, she played like a bunch of characters that are pretty famous. It looks like Neon Genesis, of course, but also Sailor Moon, Yu-Gi-Oh. You got a card capture Sakura in here. Yeah, I could see that. Got to put that big books out for the VA. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, uh, I do, I do like the scene of... in Shinji's bedroom with Asuka and Shinji, especially with like, yeah, like I think it's them asking like, "Why do you pilot the Ava?" I'm like, well, like I'm a kid, like I just do what parents tell me. But it's also like when Shinji's like, oh, my dad said something nice about me for once. Yeah. Yeah. I like they're still laying on the father. She's pretty well thick on this still. You know, can't you cannot skip on that for these movies. Oh, yeah, totally. A hundred percent. I do. I mean, there's certain scenes that still highlight that pretty well. I think even the graveyard scene in the beginning, like we were talking about, once again, shows the dynamic of their relationship of they're both sad about their, you know, the mother or her you know, or the wife passing away. But it's like after Gendo realizes that's what they share, he's like, well, I'm out of here. Fuck you, kid. Well, and See I don't ya. know if it's because I am I know so much about it, but I feel like in this one they pass it off as less him being just like a crass asshole and more him just being like obsessed with work. Like I just, I have this, this mission that I got to get, like, and in the show they just make it seem like what a dick this guy is. Yeah, I think they, it is, I think, slightly handled better in the movies. Uh, I mean, just from the two I've seen, at least. Because, once again, they have a little bit more foresight of what they want to do with it. But I feel like that kind of takes us to the, the last big fight scene for the movie. Because it's kind of where everything accumulates. Cumul- hey, we haven't talked about the field trip yet. Culminates. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the field trip. I guess eh, gotta be. This is also the out. first time when I watched the movie the first time. where In the series, Asuka is in love with Kashi. He was her handler, like, before she became went to Nerve in Tokyo 3, and she was just like, like, I'm in love with him, he's going to be my husband. Like, super obsessed, but she doesn't care about him at all in this movie, which is why when, like, yeah, Kashi she was doesn't. going to take yeah. all of them on the field trip to, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like an ocean reclamation project. It's basically like, oh, we have the what little sea life we have. We're trying to clean the ocean from all the gunk caused by the second impact and bring life back yeah. to the planet. And yeah, I do, I do like the world building for that and the scene. I also do like the different dynamics with uh, Asuka's like, relationship to Kaji. Not because it's creepy. I, I don't mind the creepy factor because that also highlights a lot of the psychological motivations of why she does it in the original series. And Kaji was but never, was never inappropriate point. to Asuka yeah. in the series. That's, uh, that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh man, so so many monsters in these series that are humans. Isn't that fun? <laughs> well, it, it's something uh, where, like, I thought with the original series, like the elevator scene from the original series where Kaji is assaulting Misato, bothered me for a long time because I think it's supposed to bother you. It's, it's supposed to be uncomfortable, but I, for the longest yeah. time, thought that it shouldn't be there. But then now, as I'm an adult, I'm kind of like. It should be there because none of these people are really good people. People, they're like the world is fucked. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of you realize that it's not about it's it's there to show you the audience, the world that these kids are forced to play around in. Yeah, that the, the yeah, adults are like, forced to work in. 
Yeah. Yeah, I do, I think I also agree with that too of like showing like it's not just the motivations of what they're doing for this this group and company but just how distraught all of humanity that is remaining that's still there and just what they have to work with of like they're just you know it's it's as simple as they're all broken because they've survived like basically two intense traumas at this point as a collective society. So Yeah, did yeah, we really talk it, I, if we didn't talk that much about the second impact in the first movie like basically the second impact the polar ice caps were melted, and yeah. so fifty percent, over fifty percent of all the Earth's population was killed in a single night. Yeah, and to give you more backstory to the reason they call it the second impact is because the first impact is the is the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Apparently, you have to find that if you read the chalkboard during one of the classes, it says that. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a mass yeah. extinction event. That's one another thing I always liked about Ava. Like anytime they had something where like. There was like a scan from a book for a scene. Those words were real. Like they had actually written backstory for us. Like Akira Kurosawa, where like like if he shot a scene in a hospital that wasn't really a hospital, he needed to have all the drawers filled with real medical equipment. Yeah, like nobody's gonna see yeah. it, but he knows it's there. Yeah, you gotta keep Daddy happy. Simple as that. Uh. Yeah, it's I I like the world building for the the trip part, the different and dynamics of the relationship. Also, it's like I think the thing that's done well is they still have Kaji be a bit of a unreliable narrator type, I guess, or maybe you don't. He's know got his own and, motivations. Yeah, so I, I do kind of like that restructure for the movies, but I also do like his role in the original series for just being a general bad man, but also like seeing how the strings are pulled in nerve. Well, I also really um, like the scene where like. Masato and Kaji have dinner together. And Masato gets drunk yeah. and she's like, oh, I don't like the new dummy plug system because the dummy plug is what they're working on, which basically allows like the Avas to be piloted without a pilot. Yeah. And she doesn't trust it, but I like it. Like, as an adult, like, Kaji has a line where, like, uh, our first dinner together in five years and all we talk about is work. Like, that's so true yeah. as an adult person, like hanging out with other adult people. I mean, that's the interesting thing, too, of what I'd love to see is if he ever did another series that was kind of similar of it being more focused on just the adults and none of the weird, like, we have teen pilots going on, which is fine. I, I still appreciate what the series is and I like it a lot, but I feel like it's just because Ando and a lot of the people working on it have evolved past that at this point. And once again, that's why I kind of think of like Shin Godzilla being a movie I really enjoy. Because it can explore those relationships a little bit easier, you know. Yeah. Not saying that like the kids are baggage, but like it's it feels like they should move on to something after this. Definitely, that would be similar and more adult tone. Yeah, I also so, feel like the whole children on this big mission was such a like '90s thing, and they it was it oh, became yeah. such a part of the show where I think if you gave him the choice, he probably would have aged him for these movies. But them being 12 years old is such a focal part of the story. They're now that you can't really change it. Are they fourteen? I thought they were twelve. Yeah, it's fourteen. Yeah, because they're supposed young. to be like yeah. they were. They were the first generation born after the second impact, which right, was fifteen yeah. years ago. Yeah, so they could sync up. Yeah, and also yeah. where like the adults, like Kaji and Masato and Ritsko, they were fourteen or fifteen when the second impact happened. So they're like literally a generation older than they are. Yeah, and I do like the the flashback they did from Masato kind of like explaining her relationship with her father and how it was done and happened as well. I like it was no uh, words. 
They just kind of yeah, like just and images. It's cool pop art and graphics and stuff like that. Because the, in the show, that's the beginning of an episode. Like I remember her. There's the scene where her dad like has her on the like boat in the ocean and stuff. It's but they did it cool. It's real trippy in in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really well done. But yeah, I guess that, that, that at this point we can't get to that the last fight, which is uh, definitely where uh, I would say goes tits up for where I thought the movies were going. I mean, I'm not upset about it, but I'm. I mean, it, it took such a wild turn, it, and it, I love it. It's, but I still think we need to talk about more. We've not talked about Ray and Shinji's relationship kind of blossoming. And oh yeah, because that's yeah, kind I, of I the, do like how they do it in the movies. Well, I, I do yeah. like it because like we know like we've talked about it already about how. Ray is a clone of Shinji's mother that doesn't have a soul. But by interacting, she's still a human, by interacting with specifically Shinji, she's kind of becoming human. Yeah, because she says, I feel, he makes me feel warm and I want him to feel warm and I want uh, his dad to feel warm as well and they kind of make it ambiguous to where like it could be a motherly love it could be a love love it could be a sisterly love but she just has a connection to shinji and she's which, which i think which i think is fitting when you're dealing with people who are like 14 15 years old like oh like what is love when you're 15 like you care about someone you don't understand how you feel about yourself much less other people Right. But like she yeah, wants so I do like that. So she wants to host a dinner with Shinji and uh Shinji's dad and I think she also invites like Ritsuko and a few other people but basically like it's going to be a surprise for Shinji that his dad is going to be there because Shinji like yeah. even though he kind of hates <laughs> his dad he's also craving his attention. One thing right. they did in in regards to the dinner is in the show, she's so kind of robotic the whole time. Like she kind of just has no emotion and she talks like this. But in this movie, when Shinji asks her about why her fingers are cut up because she's learning to cook, you kind yes. of hear a giddiness in her voice where she's like, it's a secret. I'll tell you later. Like, you, yeah, she's that I, 100%. That's like I like that too because like yeah well although i like amanda win lee in the way she performed ray from the series you're 100 percent right where like this actress she plays it robotic but then as she's starting to become more human it's like that's a secret but i'll tell you later she has some feeling in her voice that like oh yeah i love that so much so i'm glad you clocked that too it's so cool yeah it's a good touch and surely nothing wrong could happen towards the end of this film uh, so it's good to see that relationship blossoming. It's only going to go upwards and onwards <laughs> from here, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I, I know the movies were going to be different. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler of what's going to happen later on. But when this was happening, I'm like, man, something bad's coming for sure. Uh, but it, I do like that and how they did it for the movies. Uh, once again, like you're saying, they have these nice little touches because they have to think about both the time limits of what they have, but also kind of show that developing relationship they have. Um, yeah, they're. I think that does line it up for the last fight. Then after that, yeah, they're bringing in Ava Unit Three from uh, Brazil or wherever so it was from. Do they bring in Unit Three after the one Ava becomes an angel? Right. No, Unit Three is the yes. one that becomes an angel. Okay, that's yeah. Yeah, they bring yeah. it in it's on the cross. Two, no, that's the charm of the units now. Yeah. 
Because they, they put yeah. Unit 2 in cryostasis because of the, the Vatican agreement, which says that no country can have more than two AVAs active at a time. Yeah. Or like, you what? have to have three AVAs in a room to, to commune with the Lord. As we oh, the Father, <laughs> yeah, something like the that. It's, it's some cool world-building bur- world stuff, but it doesn't yeah. really matter. Yeah. So they need uh, one of the pilots in Tokyo 3, one of the children... Asuka, Ray, or Shinji to test pilot Unit 3 when it comes up. Why was yeah. Unit 3 being moved? What Something happened in Europe that like they were testing it and it killed everybody or something? Yeah, I didn't quite catch it exactly what they said. I think it's just ambiguous. I think it's just like an incident type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that where I yeah. think you see an explosion... But you're never really given much information because it, it is Sele who sent, who orders this. And Sele, they're always like, if they send you something, then it's probably something that's going to try and kill you. Yeah. I love Shinji's oh, I'm sorry, punch- I'm sorry, Brandon. Seal. If Seal sends you something, <laughs> yeah, seal, seal. it's I probably a kiss from a rose. I love the Shinji tantrum at the top of Nerve where he's stomping yeah. on it. Just like, no, no, no. It's so funny. Oh yeah, it's really funny. Also, pretty well done because he had been forming a like. It's getting a little ahead of ourselves because the uh, unit three is comes down. Asuka agrees to be the test pilot so that Ray can have her dinner party with Shinji. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a sweet scene where like uh, Asuka is like a getting ready to go and pilot the new Ava, and Ray calls her, and she's like, "Thank you." And then Asuka's like, like, oh, that's stupid, but she's clearly very moved by it and feels right warm because and they have of the, the hesitation where like Ray doesn't know how to use a phone. Like this, someone gives it to her and she doesn't <laughs> speak for like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I don't know. I know that had to be done on purpose, but it's still very funny to me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because at because you're supposed to not even look at her as a person. Once you find out she's a clone, they make her very like. She has no emotions. I uh, I I, yeah. I watched the uh, the dub for this, and I thought like she had a lot more dialogue, and they just fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. uh, Final Fantasy Seven situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, those little touches are really well done, and it it does make you think like they they did a lot of writing and kind of like ideology of how they wanted to put these movies together. So that's why I'm interested to see how 3 is going to go, because I've heard a lot of very differing opinions. I, I will say, I, um, I mentioned earlier how like my favorite episodes of the original series were like when they ran out of money, so they would basically do a clip show. A lot of those would have like Ray reading these weird poems that like were like, I don't know how to describe them other than just weird poems, but talking about like the nature of existence, of piling a Ava of her relationship with Gendo and Shinji. And those are some of my favorite things from the original series. So like, though I get what you're saying, but like, she's too robotic, but I kind of like that Amanda Winley, the way, like the monotone, she would deliver those lines in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I both, I think have their merits so far, at least from what I've seen, but uh, I guess we can get to the, the last fight of the, the ninth angel and the whole possession thing, which is pretty rad. I also liked it a lot for how they did this. Uh, but it, it gets pretty intense. Really oh, yeah, because are we on the uh, the last fight? Like with the angel, yeah. not when he did, when he almost killed Asuka and he 
and Shinji said he would never file a Neva again. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of get it to that one, because that, I mean, it is it does go kind of quick in the movie, too, but basically the Ninth Angel can possess the Ava unit that Asuka's in, and, you know, Gendo, of course, being like, yeah, just kill it, who cares, we'll get another pilot. I mean, well, yeah, exactly he, he activates like that, but... the dummy plug system, which basically, yeah. which which is important, because from what I've read about the, the this movie doesn't, like, deal with instrumenta- uh, not instrumentality, uh, with uh, synchronization, they don't really show how, like, well, you're synchronized, you were, like, connected to that Ava, so you're feeling what it's feeling. So when Gendo activates the dummy plug, the Ava is angry and full of rage and kills the angel. But Shinji, he can't do anything about it, but yeah. he's feeling all that hate and anger, and, like, he knows something terrible is happening, but he can't do anything about it. Yeah, but also that scene's pretty gnarly. How it kills the the other unit man. I really like how they animated it because it is it is gruesome, man. Just like the way it grabs the head and oh, pushes yeah, it, and oh, yeah. just bones. ripping out, eating the yeah. innards and stuff like that. Yeah, that was even a nice touch when I was watching the show. Like I really liked that when you rip open the Ava, it's got like a human. It's got human insides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, we get to the the tenth angel fight now, which is the big one. I feel like this is where it really changes the movies from the series at this point because of everything that happens with it. Which I I, I think the uh, uh, props to this movie, and I think it is going to be my favorite of the series as we go because I was not expecting like any of this with how wild it got as it went on. Yeah, well, at first it's pretty much the same as it was in the series. Like Shinji was leaving town, but then the angel attacked, so he had to go shelter in the geo front. Oh, wait, I t- and then like the the fight ends up getting to him in his shelter. I I took very few notes uh, for this film, but one of them uh, was something that happened in between this, where uh, Shinji is leaving the apartment, and uh, oh god, what's her name? Who's who's that lush again? Mari? No, Masato. Uh, oh, Mari. She's yeah. she's telling Shinji that Ray just wanted to like he, he she she wanted him and his father to be able to laugh together. And Shinji, before he leaves, says, I'll never laugh again. And I really oh liked... Oh, God. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. I, I liked... Because, the... like, this is... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I liked this movie because uh, they gave more characterization to every character rather than the, the first one, which I enjoyed the first uh, Ava Rebuild movie. I really did. But this one I liked so much more because it felt like these were more three-dimensional characters and not just Shinji being the shitty little shit that he became in that moment again. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie, I feel like him leaving and the the dummy plug activation, like, it felt more... I was definitely on Shinji's side of, like, yeah, Gendo's, like, just using people. And, like, he Shinji, I think, catches on, like, he's just another test tube to be, like, fractured for all of Gendo's mm-hmm. experiments. So with him leaving in the movie, I, I'm way more on board than I was in the series. Now, originally, so I like that touch, too. Yeah, see, that scene also reminded me, it's kind of a rewrite of a scene from the series where like one of the character dies, one of the characters dies and Masato like comes into Shinji's room and he's like, Oh, I just can't cry. I like, I feel sad, but the tears won't come. And then Masato tries to grab his hand saying like, I can only do this. And Shinji pulls it away. I thought the time I'd watched it, that she was just trying to like comfort him. But I, a lot of people interpret that as, Masato offering Shinji sex. Everyone's and, trying to get in Shinji's yeah. drawers this whole show. 
Yeah. yeah. Specifically, I mean, both the show, but in the movie, too, the fact, like, they have Mari fall, like, boob first into Shinji. It's just like, okay, we get it. He's hot. It's really cool <laughs> to be Shinji. We all want that more Everyone than anything. Everyone loves being Shinji. I mean, it, it's cool to be Shinji, but he always does, like, the thing you don't want him to do. Which Timothy is why Chalamet. I've always liked him as a character. Timothy Chalamet yeah. as Shinji Akari. <laughs> okay, I'm watching that. <laughs> Danny DeVito is Gendo. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta get it in that unit, and here's an egg for these. Trying See, when times. I when I was in high, early college, I started writing like a, a speculative script for like a Nava live action movie. I always thought Robin Williams would be a good Gendo. I could honestly see that yeah, because also that. he was a big fan of the series. So. That that that's a rumor. Yeah. I don't think he actually was. Uh, well, no. Oh, no, he was. I, he was because in the movie One Hour Photo, he sells someone an Ava unit. Yeah. And it's like. The, the director is the one who put that in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah. But no, I, I, in interviews, he did say that he was a fan of the series. Okay. As well as a huge video game nerd. I know he was a video game nerd uh, because of his daughter like, said, like, sorry, guys, you're about four Zelda. years too yeah. early. Saying, like, the Zelda. Oh, yeah, from Mario. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he has a bastard son named Mario. <laughs> That's yeah, not to, related uh, to the I game guess, at all, though. But I guess to uh, get to the end of the basically the end of the movie too is like uh, uh, they get to the final fight. Shinji decides to pilot the one again. Oh yeah, well this last angel is fucking up nerve. Yeah, uh, really bad. yeah. I don't like. It's it got gets the ribbon. Geo front very easily. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me of the, yeah. uh, the the Zaku's, the 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 bad guys, the Nazis from Gundam. Yes, yeah, Zaku twos, by the way. Zaku one's the original prototype that wasn't really used as much due to cost restraints. It was a superior unit, but actually, it's the Zaku twos that were uh, cheaper for mass production. Uh, you see, it really always comes down to the warfare. Yeah, the thank you so pay. much, Brandon. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> and uh, I just regrew my virginity back, which is great. I do have um, a problem with the fact that, like, they put Unit 2 in cryostasis because they were getting Unit 3. Mm-hmm. Right. And Mari is somehow able to get Unit 2 out of cryostasis by herself. Yeah, which I, I think knowing how supposedly the the Ava units are supposed to work, it... It makes me wonder if her character is supposed to be something more than she appears to be because of that. Yeah, but like she still... can connect with any unit or something like that. Yeah, yeah she shouldn't be able to pilot unit series. two. I wrote that down too. She gets it to turn. She gets guns to grow on its back too. Like she gets it to manipulate shape. Yeah, yeah, they do. Right. They and do I don't the beast understand, mode, which is stupid. No, it's just like it's written in the Bible. Yeah. I was about to say that's cool. Book of well, what I was gonna say too that they do in this battle is they do the scene where she. She basically detonates Unit 3 and tries to nuke the monster. And they do this perfect because it's just one time to where they do this in the show a bunch where you have this nuclear explosion go off. And then when the dust settles, you see the shadow of the angel still. And I feel like they do that once in this and in the show. It's like every angel battle. They have that scene where like, here's the nuke. Oh, he's still alive. Yeah. Though yeah. it does kind of work in this one because Ray like takes like the payload from an N two mine, which is basically like a super nuke, yeah. in order to try and destroy the angel yeah. because like she does it for Shinji. So like I'll do this. She says like I'll do this so he never has to pilot again. Yeah. Oh, and then and that it scene ends up how they not get working. him back. 
Yeah, when the when Unit Three falls through the and starts bleeding all over the floor where Shinji's at in the safe house, and she's talking to him. Yeah, yeah that's that's wild. That's so great. Which yeah, she basically yeah. did like what Kaji did in the original series. We're like, hey, I can't do anything right now, but you can. Yeah, and she shows him Tokyo Three, like the. Oh yeah, it's not even Tokyo the... Three; it's the Geofront. Right. Tokyo 3 has been basically completely eradicated at this point. Yeah. Which I think is probably yeah, one of the is, reasons uh, why 3 did what it did. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh this is where we get to the final the finality of the fight too where like, you know, Unit 01 gets there after Ray gets basically like consumed, I guess. She gets consumed and then yeah. the angel becomes like takes on like Ray's persona. And they don't. I don't think they mention it in the movie, but what that's meant to be is that like, oh, the fail safes to destroy the complex to keep her from getting to Lilith are gone because yeah. it will read her as Ray, who is allowed to be there. Oh, yeah, that's pretty smart. Yeah, but yeah, this is uh, this is when they have like the the final fight with the the O one unit, and this is when things start to get pretty uh pretty trippy, guys. It gets pretty crazy. This is where it really caught me off guard. But yeah, it's basically like I it, it's almost like a space odyssey at this point when it it's oh uh, yeah I, they I start playing they start playing that really sweet song. It's called "Give Me Wings." Yeah. And basically, like, Shinji's like the. I guess it's before. Is it before or after the or right as the Ava goes into Berserk mode, where he's like, "I don't give a shit about the world or the future, a, but I'm after, going so, to get Ray out of this fucking angel." Yeah, yeah it's after it goes and it runs. He runs out of battery, and then his will of just like I'm getting Ray out of there, it reopens, and he goes berserk. Yeah, an extra sad boy yeah. Yeah. cell in his brain. Yeah, <laughs> and that sad boy Duracell. Let me tell you, that thing is juiced as fuck, dude. Because <laughs> then, basically, it seems like reality starts warping at a point, like which I was really surprised about. I mean, basically, um, it is like one of those. He's going further and further into the entry plug, which goes to the core. And the further you get into an entry plug, the like more like the more cl- closer you are to becoming a god, essentially, yeah. because like the core of every evangelion is a human soul if you connect two human souls right. it's kind of like having the tree of life and the tree of knowledge at the same time hmm. yeah but yeah this is that's basically where they end the movie almost where uh ritsko sees it and says like hey this is uh this is the third impact which is like he does wild. save ray yeah. though uh, yeah like he pulls he ray he out pulls, and then they are like out. everyone yeah go ahead and then doesn't he say yeah. something to her like See, I told you I would make dinner or something like that. Like, doesn't he say something really like mundane to her when he pulls her I th- out? I think she I he she says in. sorry, and he's like, "You don't need to yeah. apologize for anything." And then he he leans and he says, "What's good, what's cooking? Good looking." And then basically mm. the movie ends. Um, but yeah, this is so. I, I'm glad you told me to stick around for after the the credits because this is already a crazy place in the movie on. But then. The post-credit scene is yeah. It ends with that with Ritsko saying like, "This is the third impact. We're all fucked." Yes. Yeah. And then, Uh, but yeah, basically, a giant spear comes down from Karu. So yeah, it's pretty tight. Shinji Ikari, I will show you the true meaning of love. 
Yeah. I think that's the way finally is. So, in the third movie now, am I, am I to assume they're finally going to be able to bang? <laughs> like we've all been waiting for? Well, I mean, the way it's set up, I, I, I don't know if this is a super spoiler, but it do, it takes place a considerable amount of time after the second movie. Oh yeah, and they 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 never get as close to banging as they do in the manga. That's the closest yeah. they ever get to banging. Oh man! Oh. All right. Well, I guess we should get officially because, right like, I've seen yeah. dojins where they bang quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, they finally get it out of their system, which is yeah. Great. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess to get to the reviews, I think we should do this. Uh, we should do it out of impact. So uh, zero out of five impacts. Uh, I'm gonna give this movie a fourth impact. It's uh, I really like what they did with it. They kind of changed it up with uh, what they're doing. Like I said, especially halfway through, it seems like it goes on its own accord. They add Mara, which I don't. I'm not too hot about the character, but I do like what they did with it. Still, a lot of cool fight scenes, and I like that they're still trying to go for a bit more of a philosophical take, if you will, by but acting more like action and kind of. Entry points for people who maybe never saw the original. Series. How did you oh, yeah. say that word? So, yeah, it's uh, overall pretty good. I, I I can't I can't go back. You can't okay. look back. It's too late. You, you can forward, parentheses man. not unparentheses look back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look Luke, back. Luke, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Which is something where like is like I know they I don't even know if Ano Hideki Ano had anything to do with it. I think it's just like some copywriter who works for the companies that produces these movies like. Oh, this is like weird and like confusing. Let's just write all the titles like this. <laughs> also, why I think the title of the fourth movie is Ava 3.0 plus 1.0. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like, it's dumb, but it's also kind of like, I like that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's dumb, I like. For sure. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, oh, because fuck them. Because fuck <laughs> everybody. And it almost doesn't match like what the tone of the movie is because the second movie, this movie or the third one is called movie Q, the quickening. And it's just like that. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> well, that's how they release. Was... That's how they advertise it. But it ended up not being titled Q, right? Yeah. No, it's you cannot redo. I think it's yeah. Called. you cannot redo. But like, yeah, the the end the like the end credit scene where like they do like more fan service coming soon bit about what's going to be the next movie all that's bullshit i hate yeah. to I hate to say it but none of that is shit that happens in the yeah next that's movie. like the end of of course that's like the end of arrested development where they say next time on arrested development oh. none of that has ever it's never <laughs> next time on arrested development yeah uh, it's perfect but yeah, so I, I guess since you're getting into it a little bit, Luke, what's what's your review of this film? I would say this four out of five franchise? impacts. Yeah. Based solely on the other build movies. Because this is like, yeah. a, not solely, but like, this is the one I think feels most like the series, but not being just a verbatim retelling of the series. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I definitely too. agree with that. I, I, I definitely got that feeling with this, too. I like that they changed things. And then with having, like, we didn't even really talk about how Asuka was the test pilot for Unit 3, but it was actually, in the series, it was Shinji's friend Toji. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Which, like, I was also, like, that's that. another reason why he got so pissed off. But I get, like... 
I understand doing it in a movie. It's like to like kind of consolidate things, doing it this way. Mm-hmm. The changes they made made sense. I understood why they did them. Yeah. And it's just like also like that ending sequence when Shinji pulls Ray out of the angel and they're playing that sweet song. Like this, this won't mean anything. Like it might mean something to you, Keith, but like this is their version of Kamsas or Todd. From right, End yeah. of Evangelion. Because it's, it's the same sort of, like, it's a very sweet, melodic song over something horrible happening. Yeah, yeah I like... It's always a fun touch. I like the end credit song, too, the, like, folk song that they play at the end. Oh, yeah. Isn't it, like, something like Beautiful Boy? Like, Beautiful Boy! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then back back into good old Japanese. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I guess uh, they'd uh, uh, shoot over to Martin before we get to Keith for the review. Martin, how do you feel as, uh, uh, as I guess, the person with the least Evangelion? I, I was really digging this movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I will say, I think it was pretty horny, so I'm actually going to give it uh, uh, four out of five penetrations instead of impacts. <laughs> uh, I like that uh, a lot better. And, yeah, I, I thought characterization was a lot better than in the first Ava film, or at the very least, uh, people had a variety of emotions instead of just, again, digging it and that Ray doesn't feel anything or that Shinji sucks or that uh, yeah. uh, I I really, as, as a character, I really disliked uh, Misaka in this one. She she's very bad at managing children and i understand that she's a misato misato thank you i'm sorry i know she's a uh this is gonna come off so rough i know she's a a lush who's just like real into her work but like come on you're you're dealing with emotionally heavily emotionally damaged 15 year olds just help them a little bit and in this you're not wrong at all (laughs) they add that in the movie i mean in the show they show her drinking a lot but in this movie they add a scene where she's passed out and she's got like a bottle in her hand Mm -hmm. whereas in the show i think they just try and make it seem like oh she's just really busy all the time i I noticed that specifically they they do have some scenes but yeah Uh, she's she has like six very large bottles of sake like in her apartment at all times yeah, and drinks a different brand of beer every time she drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to have variety. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. Anyway, that's that's yeah. my review. I enjoyed it a lot. So yeah, Keith, as our guest and also quite a fan of uh, Evangelion, how are you feeling about this film going back to it? I'm going four out of five as well. I, I It's definitely the best of the three I've seen so far. Um, the only reason I wouldn't go full five is because I forgot... I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and when I rewatched it, I forgot. I was like, oh, I forgot how much of this is kind of just still retelling of the show. So I found myself for half of the movie kind of like not so much like, oh, I don't have to pay attention to this. But what I do love about the movie is he was able to kind of show the world like we were saying the world building is great to where the ex in the show, they just try and make it seem like the world seems more ordinary. It just seems kind of like a slightly higher tech earth. But in this one, they really show how fucked up the whole world is. And it kind of makes the eccentric, the, the eentricness of the characters fit the world better than it does in the sh- in the show. Yeah, like in the yeah. Show, and although- it just makes it seem like, man, these characters are so weird. And then you got this world that's like apocalyptic, but it doesn't seem as bleak as it does in the movie and although they never really say it i feel like there is an understanding like oh for tokyo 3 
there's nothing for like hundreds of miles. Mm. Like you got to go to like a completely different city. There's not like shit from like between Tokyo three and the next major city. Yeah. Which I think also is that supposed to have the impact of the field trip because that's when they say like, you know, there's no animals in the, there's no fish in the ocean anymore. Like that's why I'm bringing you here. Cause I'm supposed to, sh- this, I want, I want you to see what the world should be like. What you oh, guys and they, are they also for. say that, uh, all the meat that they eat is like 90, 90%, 90% artificial, 90% artificial. Yeah. which like would be sad, but I don't know if you guys have gotten on the beyond or impossible burger train. Oh it's yeah. Pretty I, good. So I'm, like, I'm counting down. The, tastes like ramen noodles. I'm, I'm counting, I'm counting down the days yeah. until KFC actually 3d prints me some chicken nuggies. I'm real excited. <laughs> <laughs> Put them in my yeah. mouth. Uh, Colonel, uh, mm. future man. I hope the Colonel's uh, secret spice wasn't suffering. No, it always was. Um, since we, since we ran pretty long, I might skip the stupid game section other than doing a classic Who the Fuck is yes. Ron Canada? Who the fuck is Ron Canada? Um, I, I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to some of the episodes or not, but we celebrate the career and life of Ron Canada on this. He's still alive, thank God. He's, he's 71, <laughs> at least hopefully 20 more years. But he's a he's a scene and character actor that's a working actor in Hollywood. Yeah, he's really roles. good. Like I, we first got into it because of like he was in uh, Honey I Blew Up the Kids. But I, I see kids. him in shit I watch all the time, and he's awesome. Holy shit! Yeah, I know that guy. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah, man. He's he's great. I mean, really, in any any role he's given, he's he's working and he's working hard. Um, I wanted to give you a role that he's uh, so I, he had at least reoccurring, which is nice because I feel like he gets a one and done. But when Boston Legal was still around, he played a judge on it. So I'm going to give you three judges' names, and I want you to tell me which judge he played. What's the real true name? And I'll go around the room here for this. But uh, was he Judge Williams M and M's, Judge Williams Heath, or Judge Williams Reese? I'm going to go with John Williams M and M. Thank you very much. John Williams Eminem. I'm gonna say Reese because you came up with those others because they're candy names, but Reese is the only one that's like a real name. Is his real name Johnny I'm Skittles? Eat... <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go Reese too because that seems like I enough mean, to where they could be like laugh at it amongst themselves, but to where it wouldn't get laughed at like people seeing it. Yeah, you guys are both right, of course. Listen, I, I was I had to do this on the fly before we started. <laughs> I wanted to write some candy bar and candy jokes. That's great. And I just wanted to take some good time to celebrate the true champion. That is you know, you should have said Rolo as one of them. Ooh. But Rolo, Rolo's not a real name either. They should it's just not, have him be but Ron it's, it's less obvious than M&M's. Judge, 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 Williams, judge Rolo. Williams Rolo is the only judge I respect. He's yeah. Judge on, William yeah, listen, he might be William Rolo. I think that but... sounds like a name. I guess it could. That definitely is like an '80s action dystopian future name for sure. Yeah. Judge William Rolo convicted. OJ. That's a name. <laughs> yeah, he would have. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say with that though, um, we should just get to the good old plugs and recommendations. Uh, since this is almost a full year now and recording in the pandemic, if there's no plugs you got, no worries. <laughs> I'm, we're 
restructuring pot or uh, not Patsuki. We're still doing Patsuki, which is great, but figuring out desk and day job stuff. So waiting on that. But uh, for recommendations, this is going to seem like a very obvious one because we've talked about it in the past. But I finally got around to playing Hades, and uh, let me tell you, boy, howdy, is that Hades game good? It's uh, very <laughs> horny. Everyone's a uh, basically a sex guy of some sort, and I ended up dating a Medusa head. So ten out of ten. For Hell that yeah! Game. You know. Also, you fight things. <laughs> I will. I will say uh, mine is actually also a video game. Super Mario 3D World. I played the shit out of that. Like, I bought it, like, a week ago, and I've already beaten the main campaign. I'm, like, working on, like, doing the extra levels and then the, like, uh, trying to get every green star. Oh, nice. I played Bowser's Fury a little bit. It's cool, but I think I like 3D World more. 3D World's a real fun game. I, I want to check out Bowser's Fury just because I love the Odyssey so much. Yeah, yeah, it's more open world than Odyssey is. Ooh. Like you don't ever have to like transport anywhere, but it's also I didn't like Odyssey that much, so oh. I don't want it to be more like Odyssey. Hey, that's fair. It's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah, just for I don't care this. about Mario's nipples. I care about them a lot. Listen, <laughs> we have a story that's I'm untold. A little, and that's I'm a little Mario's more upset nipples. that they didn't make him like super fucking hairy. Like they made him a little hairy, but not Italian hairy. <laughs> yeah, oh, also, there's a little off tangent, but do you hear that Charles Martinet's not going to be in the Mario movie? I th- that hasn't been what? announced yet. He said he wanted to voice them, but they haven't. Th- I don't think they've officially stated that he's not the voice. Okay, I, I just saw a headline on YouTube, so you'd probably know I think more they than a, I do. They, they had a strong policy on set for when they were doing all of the hires for actors that was a no Italian. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Which, you know, I thought we would be more progressive in 2021, but here we are. Look at yourself, America. We've Brandon, we've, if we've established anything on this podcast before, it's that you can't be racist against Italians. Yeah, <laughs> we true. have. We brought this up many times. I just want and them... As long as the new Mario movie is true to plumbers and they just tell Princess Peach that he'll be there between the hours of 9 and 2... <laughs> yeah, and he shows up at one fifty nine, like a true professional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I, I I'd recommend a, a YouTube channel called Atrocity Guide. Uh, very very nicely uh, narrated, very well researched videos about just the craziest stuff. Y'all familiar with John C. Lilly, the dolphin guy? Oh, no. d- I think so. Is he the dude who like? Did that video where like he's on an armchair and he's floating through space? He did. He uh, he was a scientific yeah. researcher through the sixties and seventies, and he uh, he loved dolphins. He believed that communicating with dolphins was very important to the survival of mankind because if we didn't have interspecies communication before we had interstellar communication, then aliens were going to fuck us up. Um, anyway, I mean, he was wrong. But yeah, no, it led he was... to Echo the Dolphin. Exactly, he did inspire Echo the Dolphin. Anyway. Those are some of the fun clips from this video that they released about the Dolphin House. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> check out Atrocity Guide in general. Their channel is fantastic. Yeah. Nice. I will. And then, yeah, Keith, if you had anything you wanted to plug or recommend or both, go for um, it. Well, plugs. I got two podcasts that I do. One's called Journey into Nerdery, where we, me and my buddy, former comic Kevin Hogan, review the, uh, the week's comic books poll that came Ooh. out. Um, and then that, and then I got another show. <clears throat> this is Keith Pazel's podcast where, uh, me and Adam Crocious, another comic, we basically just, 
talk about the world and ourselves through what is on television. So like whatever is on TV, we start a conversation about it and wherever it goes, it goes. And then we channel surf throughout the show. Um, so it's basically then, what I do to myself in the mirror. Every yeah. Time. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, and you can, but now you can have some friends with you. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> And you could get all that on my YouTube channel. That's what DVD this commentaries is, are for. <laughs> right. This is Keith Pazel is the name of my YouTube channel. And then KeithPazel.com is where you can go just to get it's every show. Everything I do is on there. So that would be the better goal for you. And then my recommendation uh, is DC Comics is doing a line of comics called Future State right now. That's actually really good. Um, they're basically fl- flash forwarding like... 25 to 100 years into the future and they're doing something different normally they establish current continuity and then like we're going to go off whatever's happening now we're going to build stories in the future but what they're doing now is basically setting the future and telling their creators whatever you do it doesn't matter just make sure you lead to this and they're getting people excited about the future and then they're going to build to that through the characters which is an interesting way to do stuff that sounds dope are they doing that like online or like physical it's the current run they're do you can do get it on comiXology it's just it's their main kind of overarching story right now and they the last week is coming out this week it's kind of like the year one stuff or like one year later yeah but it's like it varies too like the batman stories like in batman um bruce wayne there's this paramilitary organization called the magistrate that has taken over gotham city and they've banned vigilantes like shoot to kill on site so bruce that's, wayne that's the worst thing you could do taking over a city yeah vigilantes. So, so bruce wayne gets shot and killed and then lucius fox's son tim becomes batman while you also have bruce wayne kind of living on the lamb living with this crazy old conspiracy theorist uh and then all kinds of cool stuff. Harley Quinn is te- is teamed up with uh, Jonathan Crane's Scarecrow Ooh. as like a CSI team in her book. So they just do these really that interesting. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'll then, check that out. Maybe I should get. A yeah. Well, and since it's just ending, you can account. probably you can probably catch up on the whole thing once it's over. Because in March they're going back to the current like present day, but then they're taking the po- the stuff that was popular in this future state. They're gonna bring into the current continuity. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good to see them getting inventive with that too because uh I feel like there's a lot of recovery DC's been doing for like the last decade of their comics. Well, so and it's good to what they've they been doing well is kind of admitting that they've rebooted so much that they've basically made the rebooting of the universe the core of the universe. Like they basically had this story where they had <sighs> the creators of the universe basically say you know, you've tr- you've rebooted your universe so much. We're just going to remove the walls. Like, there's no more eras. Everything that happened happened, he, and that, you guys—that's that's what I hate. That's what I hate so goddamn much. Like, they didn't fuck up their main continuity like Marvel did with Civil War and then Dark Reign and Secret Invasion. But they keep doing it just of their own volition. Like, oh, we got everybody loved Christ's on Infinite Earths. We got to reboot yeah. our universe. Reboot our universe. Like, no. Just keep so the what, status quo, you dumb So what they basically did is they, they, they said, we're removing all of the walls. Everything that happened in the past happened, and you guys now remember all of it. But since you guys now remember all of it, 
you're going to get crazy flashes of different futures. And like the time is adjusting to the, to the new environment. And that's what future state is. It's this like, okay, we we're, we're now removing the walls to where everything that happened happened, but now time has to catch up to it. And that's what this future state storyline is. Ooh, yeah, I'll like check that. it out. It sounds I'll, cool. I'll really but I definitely think I definitely hate it's not DC comics fault, but Warner brothers giving, Zack Snyder like seventy million dollars to shoot more scenes for his cut of the Justice League movie is ridiculous. Dog, Zach, I'm excited for the Justice League Snyder cut. Zach's going through some stuff. Let, I mean, leave leave him alone. Yeah, he's, but he's I'm been also, again, like, I love. You Jared don't get Leto to call Joker. it a cut if you had yeah. to get tens of millions of dollars to shoot more scenes. That's not a cut. Yeah. That's a new movie. But that's just because of the Donner cut. That's just of the, a fancy, like, fan service title. I know, yeah. but... Because it's been so popular. Yeah. Still, Zack Snyder is such a bad filmmaker. If he just made I'm, I'm pumped music for videos. Joker, though. Yeah, I, I just want to see what happens at this point. I just gotta <laughs> watch it for whatever it is. And uh, I feel like it'll be interesting, especially after, like, by then, WandaVision will be wrapped up, which I've been really enjoying, so... Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think that's the that's you know what let's get the fuck out of here guys this was a good talk I'm excited for how I'm gonna find 3.0 because now it, it's gone down such a wildly different path I have no clue what to expect for the next movie so I'm excited hell for yeah that. it's, no de- it's definitely the cobra of anime movies <laughs> yeah, yeah. no one expects Evangelion 3.33 <laughs> yeah but prepare to be disappointed from what I read online <laughs> well anyways. Uh, I think we could try to do the sign off. Are you guys, are you guys oh, ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Oh, yes, I think I. All right. I'm going to do it really fast. Time. Three, really two, one. I guarantee you. You weren't ready. You got to like the way you fuck, you guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> you you, 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 you <laughs> we regret that you have not yet complied with our order. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. The words get stuck in my throat. <laughs> <laughs>